you messing around with stuff during the week? Because huh? there's no reason that should happen. Okay. So, okay, so, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. And what, actually, what we can do, if you mute everything, I'll move it over to nine. We don't have to. Check, mic. <laughs> Check. Yep, I got it.
right, come on in and get situated. Find your group. If you don't have a group, make sure you find one. Those of you that are in groups, if you see somebody around you not in a group, drag them over to join your group because we're going to be talking about unity and, you know, that would be embarrassing if you left somebody hanging out. So. Got a few more coming in. Give them another 30 seconds. Well, let's open in prayer. Ooh, that's hot. Let's open in prayer while uh, we last few people come in, and we'll get going. Sovereign Lord, we do humbly come before you this morning. Lord, we thank you for providing for us, for meeting our every need. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word, for what you have revealed to us in your scripture. Lord, I pray that we would walk humbly before you, that we would walk in unity with one another and unity of the Spirit. Lord, would you open our minds and our hearts to see things from your point of view and to not be wrapped up in, in how we view the world, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to honestly take a look and, and see how you view the world and that would transform our lives. We give you all praise and glory and commit this next time to you in Jesus' name and for his uh, praise and glory. Amen. All right, so this is week seven of our eight-week study, meaning next week is the last week. So um, I'm excited about the next couple of weeks. Today is going to be a lot of interaction and next week is going to be a lot of practical application. It's going to be, it's going to be fun, I think. Um, kind of sharing some, some different techniques that have helped maintain unity or to reestablish unity um, in our own family. And, and not that we're perfect by any stretch. But anyway, so this is week seven. Next week is week eight. Also, next week at the end of the... Uh, the end of the teaching time, we're going to save about five to seven minutes for evaluation, where you can evaluate the first several speakers, but not the last speaker, because that's kind of how it works. Um, so you'll, you'll be able to, well, I don't know why you guys are laughing. So you'll be able to uh, give feedback, and we do actually really appreciate that feedback. So if you think about things this week, over the last several weeks that uh, you've heard, you, know, you might just make yourself a little note, I want to make sure I mention this. Um, whether it's environmental, whether it's teaching styles, you know, whatever, we, we do get together and, and try to improve ourselves. So, anyway, this week we are starting talking about um, how God has saved us and equipped us to live in peace and harmony. And there's so many passages in the scripture that uh, address this. I wanted to just kind of settle on one. Is this going hot and low or is that because I got this monitor in my ear? 
Okay, I'm going to just kind of turn that that way. Um, so I was just trying to decide, you know, which scripture should we focus on, and I kind of landed on Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, which says this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And, you know, too often, uh, either in the church or as viewed from outside the church, um, unity within the body of Christ can look like this. Um, humility and gentleness. No, Robin. Patience and forbearance. Um, okay, I heard somebody laugh, so that was the whole point. So. Okay, so thank you for your belated chuckles. Okay, that's, we, we call that mercy, mercy applause. Okay, so as we look through this, what, what are the key words as we pull this out? Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing, or forbearance. The, the definitions down here at the bottom, humility, this is out of the Webster's 1828. So humility is freedom from pride and arrogance. Gentleness is mildness of temper, sweetness of disposition, or a meekness. Patience is a calm temper, bearing evil without murmuring or discontent. And then forbearance or bearing would be carrying and supporting. So as we read that Ephesians 4 passage again, kind of we'll take a, a, an expository view out of that. So with all humility from pride and arrogance, with gentleness being mild and, and being sweet and being meek, with patience, having a calm temper and suffering uh, slights against us, bearing and supporting one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. So those, those are the four underlined words, but then there's also these couple of action words, eager. So eager, the definition there, that's actually out of the, uh, the Greek definition Eager is to make haste, to use speed, to give diligence to. So it's, it's not a kind of laissez-faire uh, attitude. It's an active attitude. It's a rushing to meet something. Secondly, to maintain. Maintain to, uh, means to attend to carefully or to guard from loss or injury. So again, now just think of this whole passage. We have all these different character qualities that we're supposed to uh, work with when we're talking about unity with one another, with humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance. And then the reason for that is to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So the next question really begs is, what is unity? Okay, to start off, I think we need to talk about what unity is not, because there's a lot of different definitions for unity, and we're really talking about unity of the spirit. So unity is not a spirit of friendliness or a spirit of camaraderie, or it's not um, just going along to get along. It is not because we are um, in fellowship with one another. That is not the same thing as unity. It's not a bad thing, but it's not the same thing as the unity of the spirit. This one, unity is not a common aim or set of goals. 
I'll let you kind of think about that one for a minute, and we're going to talk about it here in groups and then get some feedback. Because, you know, when I first started off, I had this idea, well, you know, if I were to define what is unity, unity is a bunch of people kind of having the same ideas, traveling the same directions. Turns out that is not what unity is, at least not unity of the spirit. Again, this is not a bad thing. It's just not the thing. And unity is not something we can produce. It's not something that flows out of us naturally, if you can imagine. <coughs> okay, so with your groups, get together. We're going to take 10 minutes. Um, discuss what do you think about what unity is not. Do you agree with those? Do you disagree? Um, how should we define what unity of the Spirit is? And how do we maintain the unity of the Spirit as we are called to do? I'll give you a little clue as we go through this. It's Notice that Spirit is capitalized. So, okay, let's take 10 minutes, talk about that, and then I'm going to get some feedback from you.
How are we doing? Are we good? So let's have um, a couple questions here. You got, have you guys had enough time? All right. Um, what do you think about what unity is not, according to what I put up there on the last slide? So I got a roving mic out there. Hannah, do you want to uh, answer that question, or do you want to pass it off? <laughs> what do you think about what unity is not? Do you agree or do you disagree? Let me put that back up here on the board. Not a spirit of friendliness or camaraderie. It's not common aims. Not something we can produce. What do you think? Hannah, if you want to. Okay. I would consider each of those byproducts of working together in unity. Okay, so that's byproduct of unity, but not the unity itself. Okay. Keep looking around. I'm sure there's other people that want to have. I'm sure that group back there. They had a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> so, <coughs> what do you think? Agree? Disagree? Just one other thing that I had on the first on the passage up there, I kind of felt like you left the most important word not underlined. Possibly. Um, love. That'll come up later. That comes up later. Oh. <laughs> no, it's all good. I think it's on the next slide. What over here? Well. You Come back next week. <laughs> no, that's a good point, and we're going to get to that. Anybody else? Okay. I was just asking, what did you, do you agree or disagree? But uh, let's take the next one. How should we define what unity of the Spirit then is? How do, you do, how do we define that? We're called to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You've got to know what you're trying to maintain in order to be able to be successful at it, right? So how do we define what that is? How do we know if we're being successful at that? I'm going to have to give you numbers if everybody's going to do it all at once. You have to be saved. You have to be in Christ. Okay. That's the common denominator, the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. That's salvation. And so then how do we maintain? Did anybody have any good thoughts on maintaining that unity? Obedience, just walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Yeah. All right. We have fellowship with him. So let's talk about what unity is. So unity is provided by the Holy Spirit. It's not provided by us. That goes back to that third point. It's not something that we can produce. It is, it comes from the Spirit. 
Notice that we are asked to only maintain it. We're not asked to create it. It doesn't say, you know, create the unity in, of, in spirit or of the spirit. It's just maintain the unity of the spirit, which seems to uh, insinuate that we could not maintain the unity of the spirit, that we could actually break the unity, that we could be detrimental to it. So unity is organic. And I have up here, it starts within us when we are engrafted into Christ. Um, but I think that's actually wrong. The unity of the Spirit does not start with us. The unity of the Spirit has preexisted and always existed in the fellowship of the Godhead. So we have the triune God existing in perfect unity and all he has done is he has extended an invitation to us to come and be part of that fellowship. So it, I have up there, it starts when we are engrafted into Christ. That is when we start to experience that unity. But the unity of the Spirit has always existed. We just are invi in, invited to become part of it. Um, we express unity with Christ. It's only then that we can experience unity with one another. And unity is diverse. We are all members of one body. We're not add-ons. We are integral members. We're not, uh, you cannot remove a component from the body without damage to the body. So look at this verse. This might look familiar from a couple weeks ago. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We're kind of switching gears here. So we've been talking about unity of the Spirit, and now we're talking about unity amongst the body. And I think it's important for us to delineate that there is, there's two different types of unity. There is a unity of the spirit, capital S, and there is unity of a spirit or having a spirit of unity, lowercase s. Unity of the spirit, capital S, is us being involved with the Godhead. It's us being in the same fellowship with the Godhead. Unity in the spirit can be things like traveling in the same direction, having camaraderie, um, being in fellowship with one another, having a same set of goals. That's a different kind of a spirit of unity, but it is not the same as the spirit or the unity of the capital S spirit. So how is this particular passage here similar to the one in Ephesians 4, 2, and 3? Even, this one, even though this one's talking to about perfect unity, not necessarily unity of the capital S spirit. Well, we see some of the exact same words, right? We see humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance. And then we see down here at the bottom, put on all these, uh, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So, a couple of weeks ago, I actually taught on this passage, and that putting on is an action. It, is, it has the connotations of 
of, in our, in our culture, for men especially, putting on a really comfy pair of slippers after you've been home or after you've gotten home from a hard day's work. Um, it has this idea of putting on a, a garment that perfectly fits you and you're so comfortable in it. So you put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So there's an action because one does not simply stumble into unity, okay? It's an action that we have to do. It's we have to take, we have to be intentional in this. All right, next group discussion. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So discuss amongst your groups these three questions. What causes us to fail in the area of especially agape love? Are you more likely to express unity, with your, uh, unity of the spirit with your church family or with your nuclear family and friends? And why or why not? And then how can we bring right thinking in order to transform our actions? So I'll give you another 10 minutes to do those.
right, how are we doing? Good? All right, so Hannah, you have the roving mic. You want to you answer number one and then pass it? So <clears throat> what causes us to fail in the area of especially agape love? Anybody want to tackle that? Pride, okay. You want to elaborate? Well, that means all that. A whole host of problems. A whole host of problems. Pride, what else? Just along with that, pride, uh, but by pride cometh contentions. I mean, that's. Yep. That's typically the root of mm -hmm. what's going on is pride. When there's contention going on, look deeper, there's probably pride. Yep. Anybody else? So a lot of times pride can be camouflaged, right? We can camouflage our pride, our, our, our pride and we can express it in different ways, but yet the root can often be pride. I heard some group over here uh, talking about ministering to, to people like at, out on the streets or whatever. And, you know, you can do that out of a prideful attitude. It, just anything done with the wrong attitude, right? So James uh, chapter 4 says, Where do fights and, come and quarrels come from? Do they not come from? your desire for pleasures that war in your members. Now, the desire for pleasure is, I mean, so that's a, that's maybe a, a, a root issue, but it's not necessarily the root cause. The root issue is you have this, this hedonistic or selfishness, but it's really pride that I have elevated myself to be the item, the object of worship. And so really, yes, it is pride. I'm, I'm worthy of worship, therefore every, everything should be about me. Um, how about number two? Are you more likely to express unity in the spirit with your, or unity of the spirit with your church family or your nuclear family or close friends? And why or, or why not? I'm going to make everybody answer this one. You guys were talking. So what do you think? Are you more likely to do it with your church family? Or are you more likely to... Go ahead, R Willie, right there. Uh, we all agreed that our church family would win that vote. And why is that, the second half of that? <laughs> uh, just because it's... Um, I don't know. I didn't answer the question. I was just trying to get the conversation going. <laughs> um, <coughs> does someone else want to answer that in our group? We said in our group it's because we don't um, see our church family and who each of them are as much as we see our nuclear family and all the wonderful faults that we all have. Yes. <laughs> How about anybody else? How about this group over here? Did you guys arrive at some sort of consensus, or is it, was it kind of varied? 
some of you more with church, some with family. Oh, you didn't even get there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so how about this group over here? Did you guys get to that question? Okay. So what did you guys arrive at? Did you want to bring them a mic? Or was it was there a mixed bag or was it kind of a group consensus? Um, for us, it depends. Okay. Some of us, if we have a Christian family background, it's much easier to do that. Some of us, if we don't and we just think differently about things with the rest of our family, maybe not so much. Mm -hmm. And like that group said, too, we, we see you guys once or twice a week. Maybe some people see their family more often, some less often. So really depends. Anna, how about your group over here? What did they decide? I have a vested interest in knowing the answer to this answer to this group. <laughs> Which one are we following uh, up on Tom? I'm really interested what Hannah said. No. <laughs> so number two, are we more likely to express our spiritual unity or our unity of the spirit? With our friends or with our church family? Yeah, we talked around this a little bit, uh, and part of it goes to perhaps even redefining the question, but we felt the acid test was how we treated the family members at home, those whose opinions we tend to value less in any given moment than if we're seeking the approval from others at church. So if we said... We do it more at church, that would be misleading because it's self-centered if that's why we're doing it. Yeah. So that goes around both ways. Yeah. How about that last question? How can we bring about right thinking in order to transform our actions? Read the, <laughs> Read the Bible. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Anybody else have anything different that they want to add to that? Well, we came up with the same, you know, uh, starting point. Mm -hmm. um, but then also to appreciate gospel, what we've been given as opposed to what we deserve, and then responding not out of grudging submission or obedience but out of love and gratefulness for what we've received which means we if we love him we obey his commandments which means we love one another very good so a couple other passages um, John 15 of course I am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And then Psalm 119, a uh, couple verses in there. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. So as we talked about unity, really we cannot experience unity and fellowship with one another until we first experience unity of the Spirit with Christ and with, with the full measure of what he has done for us. Um, 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is is really writing a scathing letter um, to the the church about all the divisions that exist in it. And he's, he's saying that you have all of these divisions. You know, you say, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And his whole point is, is Christ divided? Is Christ um, divided against himself? And the answer, you know, is no. Um, But he goes on to say that the reason there's all these contentions with you is because you are living in the flesh. And that tends to be our, at least my, I'll speak for myself, my de facto way of of existing. Um, You know, if I'm not intentional about how I'm thinking and intentional about how I'm living my life, I'm going to just default to walking in the flesh. And, you know, that's something we all have to be very careful with because I can't experience unity with my wife, with my kids, with my coworkers, unless I have unity first with God and I have that consistent unity. So here's how I want us to wind up today. Um, Romans 12, 10 Talks about loving one another with brotherly affection to outdo one another and showing love. James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. You may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Um, uh, Peter talks about uh, making sure that you live with your wife in an understanding way that your prayers be not hindered. So I want us to spend the last seven, eight minutes here praying for each other in your group, that you will be able to love God preeminently and to have that unity with the Spirit, unity in Christ with the Godhead, and then to enable us to be in unity with one another. So take the next six, seven minutes, pray for each other, and um, I'll break us up here, and we'll close in prayer in about eight minutes.
just want to um, come before you and acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give to us to experience a relationship with you and to live in unity with you. Lord, I pray that we would um, avail ourselves of, of that gift that you have given to us. Lord, help us to not take it lightly. Help us to live intentionally. Lord, cause us each day to wake up with the intentionality of living in unity with you, that we may also live in unity with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be on this group and on this church. Lord, may we be known as uh, a body that supports and encourages and builds one another up. Lord, we, uh, we cannot do this on our own. It's not something that we aspire to do on our own. Lord, it is only through your power and through your spirit that we walk. We ask that you would be with us here the rest of this morning. Lord, may we glorify you in all that we think, in all that we say, and all that we do. Not for our glory, Lord, but for the glory and praise of Jesus. Amen.